Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 130 of the NBA podcast. Before the playoffs get started on Saturday, we had to say bye, Felicia, to the teams that did not make it in out of the Western Conference, and we've also started to see some head coaching turnover. So we're going to discuss the three coaches who have been fired since the end of the season. Before we do all that, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so give them a follow at Almighty Casts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, Brian, it's going better than the Washington Wizards right now. <laughs> you haven't been suspended 25 games, is what you're saying? Not yet. And Good. if I were, it would probably not be for... Emerging technologies are transforming the healthcare industry as we know it. Investors, say hello to HTech, a portfolio dedicated to capturing the significant growth potential of healthcare innovation. Learn more at roboglobal.com slash HTEC. For PEDs, it would be for you know, too much red meat. <laughs> is that is that a violation? I think that's just, oh, I guess you're not American. I was going to say that's just being a warm red-blooded American, but... Well, in that case, I would be three times the American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a problem. Reasonable. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mort. So we wanted to get this episode in before the playoffs really get underway because we need to say goodbye to the two teams in the lottery that we have not discussed yet. Uh, we're going to start with the Denver Nuggets, who came within an overtime of actually making it into the mm. playoffs. Uh, so let's start there, Mort. I mean, they finished, I believe, 46-36. and 36. They, they did, were, yeah. They were ninth in the Western Conference. Paul Millsap missed, I think, close to three months with a wrist injury. So all things considered, this should still be a successful season for Denver, right? <laughs> Try telling Denver that. <laughs> right, I know. It, it seems like there are negative vibes around mm. the organization, but like they had their hot, most wins since the 2012-13 season. Like I, I get that they expected to make the playoffs after getting Paul Millsap, and you know we'll talk about Mike Malone in a minute. But like I, I feel like there should be better vibes coming out of Denver than there are oh, yeah. currently. Oh yeah, I mean, look, Gary Harris missed 15 games as well. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about like a one-game bubble, like they would have been in. Yeah. So, and then with Millsap playing just what thirty-eight games, I thought it was more actually. That's over half the season missed. Right. Like, 
that that's just an injury riddle season that you have no control over. So I I would not be disappointed if I'm a Denver fan. Look at the the improvements of Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Gary Harris. Mm. I mean that alone is just a huge problem. Oh, and and Trey Lyles too. Yeah. I mean, they were one game away from the playoffs. And they all, like, their core guys just took major leaps. They had pretty great production from their supporting cast. I don't see what all the negative fuss is about. Yeah, I I don't either. And I think you really touched on it. Like, they have the makings of a excellent young big three. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Jokic has been, like, the basketball Twitter analytical darling for over a year now. But... Out like Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. I was I was thinking about this a, a few minutes ago, and I was trying to think of like where would I rank them in the hierarchy of the league's best backcourts? And like oh. obvi- obviously Steph and Clay are first. Mm. Then you have some combination of Damon CJ, John Wall and Bradley Beal, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. After that, like who am I missing? Because I feel like Gary Harris. And Jamal Murray are right there. That's a good question. I, I I mean, off the top of my head, I don't think you're really missing anyone. I mean, maybe like Jeff Teague and Jimmy Butler for the Timberwolves. <laughs> That's solely because of Jimmy Butler. Jim, right, though. right, exactly. Or, oh, sorry, Chris Paul and Chris Paul and James Harden. There we go. That was. Oh, you didn't mention yeah. those. Oh, yeah, okay. No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, yeah, obviously. That, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Ricky Rubio just did not play well enough for him mm-hmm. and Donovan Mitchell to be be named in that that tier. Yeah, like maybe Darren Collison and Victor Oladipo. But yeah, but again, again, Oladipo would be carrying that, right? right? Like just like in Boston, you would have Kyrie and what <laughs> Jalen. I mean, Jalen Brown. That's that's not a bad. I mean, that's not a bad backcourt, but you can argue whether or not they really play by positions there because right. Jalen is being thrown around. Like, he even played some four early in the year, so... Yeah, and Tatum, too, and then Hayward right. when he comes back. My, my point is, like, they're already in the mix for... They're just outside of the top five, mm. and they're only going to get better. Like, Jamal Murray, at the end... Or toward the end of that Minnesota game, it was just the Jamal Murray show. Yeah. And he's what? He's tw- that was just his age 20 season. You know, there was a there was a question coming into the year whether he would be the starting point guard. Like it was between him and Emmanuel Moutier, which is hilarious. Yeah. Like Jamal Murray's really effing good and he's only going to get better. Like both of those guys have all-star upside. So again, well, we talked just, about that. We talked about yeah. Murray as a point guard. Yeah. And he he did what we kind of we we expect. Remember we talked about him being a souped up Derek Fisher. Mm-hmm. Like not being a traditional point guard. Yeah. Well, look at him go. <laughs> right. You don't need him to average eight assists a game when you have a Nikola Jokic who's averaging six point one. Right. You, like you need him to be a lethal spot up shooter, which you know he, he hit almost thirty eight percent of his threes on five point four attempts per game. Gary mm-hmm. Harris thirty nine point six percent and almost six attempts per game. Like. That is what you need if you are Denver and you're building around Jokic properly. Like those three guys are going to keep Denver in the playoff mix for as long as they're around. And didn't Jamal Murray struggle initially early on in the season? Yeah. Well, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He shot 18% from three, 
Eight, he's, no, yeah, 18% from downtown in the first seven games, then 29% in the next 14. Yep. So in the first 21 games of the season, he was pretty abysmal. Mm-hmm. That's a significant chunk. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, he, he really got going toward the end, and then Millsap he, came back. There was, there was a little bit of an acclimation period. Like, Jokic, I think, also got off to a relatively slow start. Just because there was some, it just seemed like him and Millsap were feeling each other out a little bit. And then Millsap mm-hmm. went down, Jokic took off. Um, and then Millsap came back, Jokic was mediocre again for a few games. And then they finally both just Clicked. started soaring. So like, yeah. yeah, I mean, they've got, we'll talk about Jokic in a second too. But, you know, they, in theory, they will have Murray, Harris, Jokic, Paul Millsap at least all locked up through for the next two years. Like, I just, I, I don't, I don't get the bad feelings coming out of Denver, but it seems like a lot of it is people being frustrated with Mike Malone. And it seems like he is, deservedly or not, he is on the hot seat. Do you agree with that more? Do you think he should be, or do you think he is the right coach for this team? Well, there might be some things internally that we don't know about that might frustrate some people. I mean, look, obviously we don't cover the Denver Nuggets speed from day to day. And if there are some concerns about Malone's communication skills behind the scenes, I mean, that's one thing. Yep. But from what we saw on the court in terms of rotations, schemes, offensive versatility, I would say hell no. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we saw was a very competent offensive squad that competed for all 82 games, even if there were some struggles and injuries along the way. I mean, I did not catch a single Denver game this year where I thought to myself, oh, they're not bringing it. Like, the right. energy was there every game that I saw, which is, and I saw a significant chunk of them. So I'm, I'm really surprised at, at the negativity towards them. And, and I'll just say this, Nuggets fans, imagine if you went out and, and just removed everyone from the organizational structure and put in Mitch Kupchak. Would you rather have that? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It, it feels like, you're right, we don't know what's going on there on a day-to-day basis, behind the scenes. Matt Moore, who covers, uh, he writes for the Action Network now, he used to be on CBS Sports. He's based out of Denver. He covers the team. He's alluded to some behind-the-scenes tension. I don't think he's actually ever like fully reported on it, but it sounds like there is something there. That said, it does feel like this is a the grass isn't always greener on the other side thing. Like you could, you know, maybe this is like a Mark Jackson Golden State Warriors situation where he he's brought this team as far as he can, and now you bring in someone else and they take off. But at the same time, like this again, it was a really good Denver team that lost one of its best players for half the season, and they still won 46 games in one of the more competitive Western conferences we've seen in quite some time. Like, I, I at least think he deserves one more chance, and then, you know, come next season, mm-hmm. if you get halfway through the season and they're still underachieving, then you can, you know, you, you can start to have that conversation. But they, had, they finished the year with the sixth-best offense, their defense was pretty abysmal, but like you're building around Nikola Jokic as your starting center. It's you know he's not he is defensively limited. Yeah, I, I don't really. He's think better, but limited. Right. I, I just don't think it's necessarily a problem with Mike Malone's schemes that their defense sucks. I just mm. think it's like you have 
Nikola Jokic is your starting center, that I don't care who you bring in, you're not going to have a top five defense with him as your starting center. I would agree with that. And I also would say that Kenneth Reed and, and Mason Plumley, you know, who's who are earning big paychecks, you know, mm-hmm. really clogging up the cap sheet, yep. aren't contributing to to <clears throat> to the degree that their paychecking indicates. Yes. So when you look at that as well, I mean, you have a bunch of guys on the lower end of the salary cap, basically being the core of your team. Mm-hmm. So you could additionally help the squad by removing those contracts in one way or another mm-hmm. and spend it on defensive-oriented role players because Lord knows you need them. Uh, but but your point is well taken. I mean, they just need to, to nudge with a few things. I mean, fiddle with a few things and that's it. I mean, they don't need to make huge overhauls right. or you know swing for the fences like they did when they tried to sign Dwayne Wade two years ago. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, right? So... Uh, don't go for for like some old washed up star again. That would just mm-hmm. be bad. Millsap is kind of an exception because even though he's pretty old, he wasn't and isn't washed up because he's yeah. a low below, below the rim player, yep. not reliant on athleticism, can shoot, can pass. Like those fundamentals, they they kind of grow with time, and it's just not a problem having him on the roster until he's like thirty six, thirty seven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he has he's only under contract guaranteed for one more season and then he has a thirty point yeah. five million dollar team option for twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. So you're right. Like he you know, it was a three year deal. It's not a three year deal with a team option. It's not a Joakim Noah or a Luol Deng type situation. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but since you mentioned their cap sheet more, we do need to talk about Jokic because they face a really I mean, one of the more pivotal decisions this summer is what to do with him. He, If they decline, he has a $1.6 million team option. If they decline it, he will be a restricted free agent this summer, presumably will get a max deal or close to a max deal, and then they'll presumably match it, but that will push them potentially close to or into luxury tax territory, um, especially if Wilson Chandler or Daryl Arthur pick up their player options. If they pick up Jokic's option, he will be under contract for $1.6 million so that they can skirt the luxury tax this year, but he becomes an unrestricted free agent next summer. So if you're Denver, what do you do? He's just had such an impressive season that I would probably feel forced to doing the first one Mm -hmm. and and lock him up this year. But it, it really depends on the relationship that he has with the team. You know, I mean... After all, he signed that deal, and if they pick up their op- that option, that's their right too. Mm-hmm. And if he, I, I, I would feel weird if he harbored any ill will towards Denver for mm-hmm. doing something that's totally within their right. Mm-hmm. But then you have to gauge the situation, like you have to t- speak to his agent or or to him personally at some point, and go, you know what? Let's sit down and talk. Like, the you signed this deal. Which obviously he's gonna say, yeah, I would I would be pissed off if you pick it up because he wants the money right now. I get right. that, but it's still well within their rights. So I I kind of hate the fact that they have to forego such a great contract. Yeah, but to play it safe, they probably have to, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I mean they would be playing with total fire if they, they would. Not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, it is their right to pick it up. But, 
I don't know. If you at least if you decline it this summer, you guarantee yourself the chance to match any offer he gets. Next summer, you can still offer him more money than any other team. You can offer him an extra year on his contract, higher annual raises. So maybe, I mean, maybe that's enough. But you're also the cap is projected to jump. I think about like seven or eight million next summer. Whereas that like this summer it's supposed to be at one hundred one million. We won't find out exactly what it is until after the moratorium. I want to say next summer it's supposed to be 108 or maybe 109. So his max deal is only going to go up next yeah. summer. I mean, yeah, you're you're going to probably, again, depending on what happens with your other guys, you're, you're going to be close to or into luxury tax territory this year. But from Jokic's perspective, hell yeah, he's going to want them to, to – decline the option oh, of course get, yeah you know get your 25 mil right now dude like absolutely so yeah if it would be if, if they are that concerned about finances that's going to send the wrong message to him i think you need to just lock him up while you can and guarantee yourself that opportunity because you know it hopefully i mean if you're really desperate to unload salary Fareed's going to be an expiring contract this year at $13.7 million. Mason Plumlee you're probably not getting out of, uh, but Chandler and Arthur as well. You know, hope, hope one of them decline their player option for a longer-term deal because that will oh, free that's up not, space. That's not going to happen, though. Yeah, probably not. I mean, Daryl uh, Arthur played, what, 19, 19 games this year. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not happening. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because when you look at that salary structure, like – Four of their five highest paid players, at least right now, that's not compared. Next, next year, Gary Harris's extension is going to kick in, so he's going right. to be the same. And, and also, you know, Jokic himself. But mm-hmm. right now, Plumlee, Fareed, Chandler, and Arthur are the second to to fifth highest play, paid players on the team. That's yep. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just don't want any dead money with a core this good. Right. So that actually brings me to my last question about Denver, which is Will Barton is going to be a free agent. Do you think he gets more than the mid-level exception? He should. He's better than that. Right. But given, you know, so few teams out there are lacking in cap space, Mm -hmm. he might just be forced into a bad summer where that money is just not available. Mm -hmm. So he might be able to sign like a one-year pretty large deal with denver mm-hmm. and then be unrestricted next season like just make a handshake agreement like okay i'm gonna try the market next year but you know you can offer me a shit ton for <laughs> for next year and then i'll sign that i'll do my best and i'll i'll help you as far as i can into the playoffs and then afterwards we we shake hands and we split on professional terms i mean mm-hmm. that that wouldn't be i i wouldn't find any problem with that yeah i mean it's it's just so hard to say because that Lou Williams extension really sent a bad message to all players around that mid-level territory. Oh, but he's better, though. Like, Will Barton is better, right? He's younger. Oh, but he's more all-around. He's yeah. taller. He's yeah. a better defender. Yeah. But, like, it just makes me nervous. I mean, it only takes one team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if... I could. You're right. I could see like a team like the Lakers if they strike out, maybe they just throw a one year, twenty million dollar deal at him. Um, it. I would be 
surprised if he only got the mid-level, but I wouldn't be, like, totally floored. Like, I, you're right. I think he deserves more. I, I think he deserves to have an eight-figure salary. Mm. But you're right. Like, the market dynamics are just not in his favor this summer. So it's, it's going to be fascinating because he's a huge part of that Denver team. And if they lose him, which they might because, they, as you mentioned, they have all of these not-so-great contracts on their books, that would be a big setback for Denver. So it's, you know, what, like no one's going to go into the summer – the summer with like LeBron and Paul George's free agents. No one's gonna go in and be like, Oh man, I'm really excited to see what happens with Will Barton. But I'm that yeah. kind of weird guy who's like, Yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens with Will Barton. But if he signed with the mid level exception, mm-hmm. that's a big get for Denver. Like if yeah. they can retain him on that and yep. then play him at the three. I know he's played the off guard throughout the course of his career, but he's got the length and you know in Denver, it's almost like in in Milwaukee and Boston. It's very much positionless basketball, mm-hmm. so you can easily swing him up up to to the three. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. Like then you have Jamal Murray and Gary Harris in the backcourt, and then you know Barton at the three, but still playing like a guard kind of game, mm-hmm. and then Millsap and Jokic up front. You know, you have to assume that next season Malik Beasley is going to come into the scene a little bit more. Yeah. You, you'd have to assume. And you have Trey Lyles as well. So then you have actually two guys, a big and a swing, coming off the bench to be like your six and seven guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's not a bad starting point at all. Yeah. I know. It's... And Juan, Juan Hernan Gomez as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like I, I think the future is very bright for this Denver team. Oh yeah, despite how this season ended. So yeah, lighten up, Denver fans. Yeah, this this whole segment was just a pep talk to Denver fans. Saying, yeah, you it, you could be worse. You could be like the Kings or the Bulls. Go smoke some weed, guys. <laughs> well said. Uh, let, let's go to another team where marijuana is legal. The Los Angeles Clippers, <laughs> who also. <laughs> Also may need to smoke some weed after how this season went. Um, but for different reasons. Right. Yeah, true. So, I, you know, obviously the big story with the Clippers this year was the Blake Griffin trade. You know, now we've had a couple months to digest it. We Both teams missed the playoffs. What, do you, what are your thoughts looking back on it? Is, is uh, Los Angeles, should they be regretful of that deal, or do you think no. they're actually in a better spot? I'm not even going to let you finish. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to let you finish that because you're getting out of Blake Griffin's deal. That's no. Yeah. That's that's a win. Mm-hmm. And and Tobias Harris is quite frankly, at this point, I I don't want to say better, but Ooh. he's damn he's damn close to being of equal value. How about that for political correctness? You, yeah, you could say in terms of like dollars per impact or like impact exactly. per dollar yeah oh right. yeah exactly. i don't even yeah. think that's i don't think that's a hot take he's paying paid half as much as blake griffin mm. less than half as much yeah and he was awesome after coming to the to uh la like 19 yeah. and 6 three assists 41 from downtown like, yeah. i still think that tobias harris's biggest problem is that he just cannot generate a whole bunch of free throws like mm-hmm. he he has the body for it if he could get to the line seven or eight times a night Dude would be averaging 25 and be, like, one of the, the players that the league would feature on international ads. Mm-hmm. Like, Tobias, just get to the damn free throw line. Everyone <laughs> would love you, and L.A. would, well, the Clipper side would be yours. 
just yeah. go for it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's a hot take at all. I'm just gonna leave it at that, and I'm with you, Mort. I think just getting out of Blake's contract, having that extra flexibility, is gonna go a long way for them. I mean, we've said we've said it repeatedly on this podcast that you know cap space isn't like it doesn't solve everything. I mean. As we saw in the summer of 2016, sometimes it's more of a curse than a blessing. But, you know, just not having to spend, we'll touch on DeAndre Jordan in a minute, but not having to lock up 60 plus million in those two guys, it's a godsend for them. Yeah, it is. It is. Now, so, if they only did not spend money on Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to DeAndre Jordan because that's. Their big question heading into the summer. He has a $24.1 million player option, which he, I mean, is, he hasn't said either way whether he's going to pick it up or decline it, but seems like he would probably decline it to lock in a long-term deal. Could so, the Clippers win the lottery twice? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've discussed him in previous episodes, but has your stance changed on him at all? Or like how much... How much would you be willing to pay for him if you're the Clippers? How many years on his contract? Ah, uh, <laughs> well, certainly not question. 25 million. <laughs> That's a bad question to ask you. <laughs> okay, look, um, yeah, it, it is, it is. I would probably pay him around 12, mm. and and for a very short deal, three yeah. years, yeah. I would not pay him more. Uh, his, no, his agent called. He said, "Go fuck yourself." I know, and that's <laughs> fine. It, you know, that's that's completely fine. I get that. I, I don't believe the hype of DeAndre Jordan. Never had. You know, it's uh, he's a great rebounder. He's a very overrated defender. Yeah, is he relies so much on athleticism offensively? He's gonna be thirty. He still can't hit three throws, even though he did get better, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then what the hell happened to his shot blocking? Yeah, he didn't even average a block this year. Like, I know. Uh, that's that's definitely the big concern on my end. Is you know he he was riding close to well, I guess over the previous seven seasons he had at least one point seven blocks in six of those, and the one he didn't, he had one point four. But but yeah, he had just right, two blocks go. per game in four of those seven. For him to go down to zero point nine this year, like. That's his whole purpose, is mm-hmm. rebound, block shots, get easy putbacks around the basket. Like, that's it. That's that's who you are. So if you're not doing one of those three things, you're right. Like, it, that definitely detracts from his a- attractiveness on the free agent market. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, the three-year $36 million deal... His agent will throw his phone at the wall or drive down to your office and punch you in the face. But I also would not give him a five-year max deal if I'm the Clippers. Mm -mm. I wouldn't Mm -mm. give him anywhere close to that. I mean, it's tough to really say. Like, I don't think this will be a Joakim Noah situation where if you give him four years 70, four years 80, he just immediately turns into an albatross. But that's probably the higher end of where I would, yeah, if I'm the Clippers, like, 
four years 80 is really probably the highest I would go. Oh my god, you'd go that high? All right, two years ago, he played in 77 games like he did this year. Mm-hmm. He had 177 blocks. This year he had 71. So he had 100 and more blocks two years ago in the same amount of games. If that is not him declining athletically yeah. and his impact going down, I don't know what is. And you would sign him for four? Uh, now, I, now, now I'm the, you know, I would slap you if you're his agent <laughs> asking for a four-year deal. Yeah. Like I would, I would probably go like two years and a team option. I guess you could go one of two ways, right? You could go like two years and pay him a lot, because then who really cares? Right. Like he's okay, just gonna yeah, come off the books, and like if you align it with Danilo Gallinari's contract, that's fine because you're gonna be probably capped out or close to capped out anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know if I'd feel good about four eighty. I that you shouldn't. <laughs> no, you're you're probably right. But that is like, yeah, that's the absolute highest. I mean, honestly, I just want to unleash the Boban. So maybe if I'm the Clippers, I just say, adios, DeAndre. We have Boban, who, <laughs> did you see the thing the other night with him and Anthony Davis? Where yeah, I did. He held, that <laughs> he was gorgeous. Ball, oh, my God. He held the ball above <laughs> Anthony Davis's head. And I, I've never seen someone make Anthony Davis, who is, what, 6'10", 6'11", yeah. look so damn small. But it was like... <laughs> He looked like a three-year-old trying to get a ball out from his older brother's arms. So and AD was he was enjoying it. I know, like, yeah, he, it was, he was he was enjoying the hell out of it. He's probably like, "What the hell? This is I haven't had this feeling since I was like six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's an interesting dilemma for the Clippers because well, yeah, it's straightforward though. I mean, you gotta hope he doesn't pick that option up so you can just say goodbye. Look, it's. Where are the Clippers going with him or yeah, anyone like Gallinari as well? Like Tobias Harris is at least he's 20, 25. I don't know if he's twenty six yet. Let's see. Oh, he's got to be twenty six this summer, so he's just young enough to mm-hmm. go on like this rebuilding tear. Yeah. But like DeAndre Danilo, you get you're not getting out of Gallinari's contract, no, so you no just got to be focusing on DeAndre Jordan and. Mm-hmm. If he takes if he takes up the, the the player option and he's placed next year, that's fine. I mean, that's it then. Then mm-hmm. after twenty nineteen, you just say adios. There's there's literally no reason to have him hanging about. None. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. It's gonna be. I, I mean, I still kind of think his best hope is that the Lakers strike out. And they have sixty million in cap space to spend, and no one to spend it on. And then he ends up with them for at least a year, because then he doesn't have to leave LA. He gets to play with Lonzo Ball. He gets to do Lob City again. That whole thing. Yeah, if he can catch the basketball. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, there are other big free agent. I mean, they have a, a bunch of guys with player options, so mm. we don't know what's going to happen with Austin Rivers. I assume. He's going to pick that option up because it's $12.65 million, and I don't see him getting that on the open market. But Oh, he is. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, these, you know, there was a report yesterday that NS Cantor is about to turn down his, like, $18.9 million option. So sometimes guys get terrible advice and oh, all yeah. the power to them. Um, but, yeah, Milos Tidosic also $6.3 million player option. Wes Johnson, six point one. 
The only one who I would guess is even a risk to turn that down is Taylor Dosage. I think Rivers and Johnson both mm. pick it up. So Avery Bradley is their no their main notable free agent that we know a hundred percent is going to hit the open market. What do you think the Clippers do with him, Mort? Do you think they should bother trying to re-sign him? Uh, had you asked me at the trade, I would have said obviously. Mm-hmm. Now I'm waffling a little on that one. I don't, I don't think it's a slam dunk. Let me just put it that way. Mm-hmm. I I think he's a lot better than what we saw this year. Uh, the thing is, though, you have to wonder if he's only that good under Brad Stevens. Yeah, I I really didn't believe that Stevens was a player whisperer to that extent. Mm-hmm. But now we've seen two examples of it with, with Bradley and Crowder. Yep. And and you have to wonder if if it's true. And if it is, uh, then, then you just don't risk putting in a lot of years on a deal to, to Avery Bradley. You can pay him you know, a significant amount over a one- or two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Because like you said earlier, those really, they don't matter. Yeah. But you don't go long-term with him. You just don't. Yeah. Yep, I totally agree. I mean, you've got... Not only do you have Lou Williams and Austin Rivers, who can both play the two, but I believe they signed C.J. Williams to a... I think they signed him to a multi-year deal, didn't they? I saw that report as well. I don't. It hasn't been updated here on Basketball Reference. Yeah. Um, I, either way, I mean, they, they have... We, you, you and I have both mentioned this before, how, you know, there, there are other options aside from like these retread veterans. You can dive into the D league or you can dive into these two way contracts, which they did with CJ Williams and Ty Wallace, both of whom played very well for the Clippers. And, you know, it seemed like I saw a a quote from one of them. I forget who it was either. I think it might've been Doc Rivers. And it sounded like he just had like a fucking epiphany where he's like, Oh wait, (laughs) Like, <laughs> these cheap young players are actually valuable? Who knew? I've been giving away all my first-round picks for the fa- past half-decade. I had no idea. So, yeah, I mean, you might be better off just, you know, yep. leading into yep. those types of guys, letting Bradley walk. I know the optics are, well, we, he was a big part of our trade for Blake Griffin, but who cares? No, you know what? I hate that logic. You know, right. uh, we're seeing the same thing in Chicago right now with Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, because oh, he yeah. was a part of the Jimmy Butler trade, he's undoubtedly going to get like a huge deal, maybe potentially the max when he's yep. not even, you know, worth close to that. Right. Th- that that mentality in the NBA, generally speaking, needs to go away. Yeah. That that just has nothing to do with don't don't compound bad mistakes. Yep. By extending them, that's just dumb. Yeah. Totally agree. But it's the NBA, and it's the Clippers. So hopefully Jerry West can intervene before Doc Rivers does something stupid. But that actually, that raises the question more. Doc Rivers, do you expect him to stay on as Clippers head coach? No idea. I, I, I would prefer for the Clippers to just basically do a Charlotte and blow everything up. Mm. Really, I would. It's like where you, what kind of direction are you in right now? You're signing. I mean, you signed Lou Williams basically so you could trade him later. Mm-hmm. That's where you're at. You, yep. These are very short-term decisions, and you kind of panicked, signed Danilo Gallinari, and you gave him three years secured yep. money, guaranteed money, yep. and knowing full well his injury history, and then 
you're like, oh, but he got injured? Like, he played 21 games. He almost made 21 million. That's mm. a pretty decent paycheck per game. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like if it was a fluke injury and he had a pristine, you know, record before coming to LA, that's one thing. But like the dude's missed so much time over recent mm-hmm. years. Like you you almost knew that he was gonna miss not you know, not that much time, not almost the whole season, but the last time he played seventy games was 2012-2013. He missed oh, the yeah. entire season with the ACL, and they missed like give or take twenty games in each of the last three seasons as well. So yeah, like that was a. We... <laughs> oh no, I have a better stat for you here because he he was an he was a young rookie like mm-hmm. for for a guy coming over from Italy like he was uh-huh. twenty in his rookie season. Yep. Next season when he starts it, he's gonna be thirty. And he's yet to crack the 500 games played mark for his career. Wow. Jeez. It's a bummer because he's really... I mean, you could see the intrigue there. Like, he's a very talented player. Mm. It's just like the dude cannot stay healthy. And it sucks. But, yeah. I mean, (laughs) you knew that coming in, Clippers. Um, I mean, Rivers does have one year remaining on his contract, and so you know he's going into a lame duck year. Yeah, um, I think he is. He did say, uh, "What did he say?" I'm not sure. I think probably. Oh no, it was before the Clippers' um, final game of the season Wednesday. He said, I love where we're at as a franchise. I will say that. I would honestly say that a year ago, I don't know if I would have had that same feeling. So, I, yeah. I don't know. It, it's hard to know. It could very well just be coach speak from him. Because, like, there was that whole speculation once mm. Chris Paul left that, like, he just didn't want to do a rebuild. But I don't necessarily think – or I, actually, I definitely don't think that Doc deserves the blame for the Clippers missing the playoffs here. Like, I just think they <laughs> they were – completely injury ravaged i mean not only did they lose gallinari for most of the season but pat beverly only played 11 games you know they traded blake griffin halfway through the season austin rivers make your jokes but he was actually important to that team and he missed 20 games teodosic missed 30 plus games like the fact that they were even in the conversation of the playoffs given all the injuries they had it was really impressive so if doc is willing to return I would say the Clippers should give him a chance, but I, <laughs> I have no idea if he's going to. I, I I just think it's time to blow it all up. There, it seems like they're re-threading like the the Doc saga, mm-hmm. and I'm just not sure it's worth it. But there's there's a different component at play here, which I was just reminded of here. Basically, the Clippers are I don't want to say screwed, but they're in for an uphill battle, regardless of what path they're going to take, because. <clears throat> the 2019 and 2020 drafts are supposedly both going to be pretty thin uh-huh. and also not that talented as the ones we've had in, in recent years. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you are going to be playing the lottery ball uh, mentality, mm-hmm. y- you would kind of need to have someone there that's that's worthy of you know, worth the tank, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And with the draft odds changing as well, so the fourth worst teams are 
ending up with a 14% chance for the top pick, you're just not going to get the same benefit of tanking as you used to. Yeah. Which is good for the league, but now the Clippers are like, okay, so how do we how do we pivot from that? Right. Yeah. Right. And I that as you said earlier, I think the Lou Williams extension was somewhat of a hedge, like short term they'll keep them more competitive long term they can just keep him around and then mm-hmm. trade him later so maybe that's part of their thinking there as well right um all right more let's pivot now we said bye felicia to the clippers and the nuggets we'll see you guys in the lottery uh now we need to talk about some coaching overhauls that have happened in the last few days we're going to start with jeff hornacek and the knicks because the Knicks at 1.45 a.m. Eastern time, uh, following the end of the regular season Wednesday, Woj broke the story that the Knicks have fired Jeff Hornacek. First of all, I would like to say to the Knicks, fuck you. Because some people, <laughs> some people have to work for sports websites until 2 a.m. on certain nights. I am one such person on Wednesday for Bleacher Report. So as we were trying to like get through all of our other work, like playoff predictions, deck factors, and get everything ready for the next morning, boom, here comes this report from Woj that we have to deal with now at 1.45. <laughs> this is karma, Nix. This is absolute karma. That's why you are going or you finished ninth in the lottery, one game ahead of Brooklyn. You are not going to win the lottery. You are going to have the number nine pick. And you're going to waste it on Colin Sexton. So congratulations in advance. That said, you feel Mort, better? No, I don't. I'm still <laughs> sleep deprived. I slept for 10 hours last night just to catch up for the last three goddamn days. Um, that said, Mort, mm. Woj has reported that David Fisdale, David Blatt, and Mark Jackson are among the options the Knicks will consider. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. oh, who does not belong in that group? Huh. <laughs> Do any of those guys seem like the right fit for New York? David Blatt is awesome. Yeah. So it's the two other candidates. I'm 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 less uh, David Fistel. No, I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think he fits New York because mm-hmm. New York is a very is a different beast, honestly. Yeah. And I think Coach Fizz deserves something better. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the the mental makeup just fits. Whereas I think it fits with David Blatt. And mm-hmm. I think Blatt's talent is also required in New York. Um, and Mark Jackson, I mean, <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Like, it's just like, no. And and you just know it's going to be Mark. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's, oh, my God. It's so dumb. It's, we it, should have like a live reaction from Nick fans when they have the press <laughs> conference. <laughs> Are there next fans left? Do we know? If I don't they know. They, they, uh, I'm not sure. They, they, they all might have committed suicide at this point. I'm not sure. They, or just switched might. to being Brooklyn fans. I'm yeah. not. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's much better for them. Oh yeah, you're right. It's not. <laughs> well, Philly is somewhat close by. Yeah. Oh no, they're not welcome. They could go oh. to Boston. Yeah, that's that's not kind of cause any concerns yeah. no, no sure you're right yeah I uh, mean, yeah it, the problem with this opening is that Kristaps is presumably gonna miss a good chunk of next season 
So you're basically, I mean, you're signing up to coach Kristaps Porzingis at some point in theory, which is great. Like that's, you know, there is a foundation there of one superstar in theory, provided that he either signs extension or they retain him as a restricted free agent next summer. They do have the number nine or they, you know, the number nine spot in the lottery. So the odds are they will have a number nine pick. They just drafted Frankie Smokes last summer. So they're going to have three lottery picks to build around. That said, like you're you're signing up for what's almost certain to be no more than a 30 win season next year. And whereas Yeah, if that. Right. And whereas like the you know, Philly when Brad Brown came in, he knew what he was getting into, but like the Philly ownership had the patience to let, you know, they didn't fire him because the team sucked. Like they knew the team sucked and he had nothing to, you know, he couldn't you can't coach a D-league team to win 30 NBA games. Right. The Knicks, I don't think, you know, under James Dolan, I just don't think they have that type of patience. So I like, I just don't know if you like, yeah, David Blatt, I think could be a good fit there. But if I'm David Blatt, am I really intrigued by the opportunity to get my head cut off in two years? I'm interested if I can get uh, James Dolan to pay me Phil Jackson money. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna have to take that, right? Like they, it has. Gonna, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to overpay the shit out of them to get a good coach in there. Obviously, look, New York right now is toxic. Yeah. If it if it wasn't for Kristaps Porzingis, it would be and might still actually be the least desirable landing spot mm-hmm. for both players and 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 coaches. And yeah, I get it. Basket basketball mecca, whatever. Oh, it's New York. I don't think that holds true anymore. It was true when market sizes mattered, but guess what? We're living on the internet right now. Right. You got you guys listening to this all thanks to the internet, baby. And <laughs> that's just not how things work anymore. Yeah. It's you can play in Siberia and still be marketed. Yep. If you're good enough. So yep. it doesn't matter. Yep. It's I mean, not that the other openings are necessarily more intriguing right now, but I think uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, like, God, the other two openings, let's go now to Orlando and Frank mm-hmm. Vogel, who thankfully Orlando did the right thing and fired him Thursday morning. Way to go, Orlando. Um, Jeff Zilgit of USA Today said it basically came as no surprise because they overhauled their front office last summer when they hired uh, Jeff Weltman to be their president and John Hammond to be their general manager, both of whom came from Milwaukee, I believe. Um, They wanted the opportunity to choose their head coach. It wasn't, you know, we, we, I think even last, last episode, two episodes ago, we were saying like Frank Vogel's a good coach. He's just not the right fit. For this Magic team that still doesn't necessarily have a franchise player to build around. So, yeah, I mean, where do you think the Magic go, Mort? Are there any candidates who jump out that would be a good fit there? Well, there is one, but I'm not sure we can mention his name. I don't know if it's been linked. Uh, I mean, (laughs) I I think he's on the market in general. I don't... Yeah. we're We're not necessarily saying... The Magic are going to go after no. him. But no. like I, I'm looking at a story from Ian Begley of ESPN, and he's mentioned among 
the the nine. Oh, he is okay. Because, so yeah, right. For, because for we the, we yeah. heard some th- stuff, right? I mean, right. we can say that we heard some stuff a couple uh, a while back. So let's suffice to say, we were not surprised when Frank Vogel was fired. Yes, that is true. Right, um, Jerry Stackhouse. Yep. Let's just let's just talk about it. Um, yep. He won the championship with the. How do you pronounce that name? The 905ers? Yeah. The nine, right. I, think, the I think they call it the Toronto 905 now. The 905. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not sure. Uh, it, Toronto's G League team. Toronto's G League team. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's not insignificant. No. And, you know, from, from what I've read, it, he's a very hands-on coach. Mm-hmm. Player-friendly, but still requires from his players a lot of discipline. And and seems to be very focused on both ends of the court, mm-hmm. so that's that's definitely uh, some some very valuable skills that he can bring to the NBA. I would I would definitely see what Stack could could provide in the NBA. W- one thing that that does maybe I don't want to say it annoys me, but I'm kind of puzzled by it is I, I I don't understand why you might not instead go for some you know, longer tenured assistant coach. Mm-hmm. who's with a good rep because i kind of feel those guys once in a while are just being <laughs> left out in the cold like oh here's a new name let's let's leapfrog that name in front of these guys who've been working the the sidelines for 20 years right where you kind of want uh, maybe, maybe you should give this guy a call right. uh but but if stack is as good as advertised which it's it sounds like he he comes with the right components mm-hmm. then sure give him a shot yeah absolutely yeah, I, I think that's at least a reasonable person to consider. I mean, I think in general, it's like, you first, for all of these teams with coach openings, you need to d- figure out which characteristics you're looking for before you start thinking of names. And so for New York, they're just going to say win now and bring in a veteran, yeah. a big name veteran guy like Phil Jackson, which is why... You know why we both would suspect Mark Jackson's going to have a pretty good shot at getting that job. Mm-hmm. Orlando, I'm hoping they realize, you know, how far away they are from being relevant, and they realize player development is the big thing that we need. Like we don't need a big flashy name. We need a guy who you know comes with the reputation of helping or having helped develop players at his last stint. So I'm looking at a guy like David Vanterpool, maybe, who, Ooh. yeah, who who helped out with Portland and, you know, Damon. Look at like what Damon CJ have done over the past couple of years. Not, not that the Magic have any guards to really take that step forward necessarily, yeah. except yeah. for maybe Evan Fournier. But you know, oh no, then, well, well, Trey Young. Right. Then you figure, you know, that that might be a direction they go in the draft that's going to be a big thing for them. And then, you know, you still have, in theory, if they retain Aaron Gordon, they'll still have him, Jonathan Isaac. Like, they have some young talent to build around, but you need a guy who has a history of helping those players grow. So what's interesting here is uh, David Griffin was mm-hmm. on Bosch's podcast recently, mm-hmm. and he t- they were talking about LeBron returning in 2014. Mm-hmm. And they had they had hired David Blatt in Cleveland without knowing LeBron was coming. Like they didn't anticipate him coming. 
Mm-hmm. And they had they had kind of agreed with Blatt, sort of in a Brett Brown way, that, you know, you're not going to be very good initially. The roster is still growing. Kyrie is, like, the primary guy there. Uh, Dion Waiters is there. You know, they, you have some components. Tristan Thompson was still new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they kind of wanted to build an environment in which Coach Blatt could grow with the roster and get more accustomed to NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. But when LeBron arrived, everything was just thrown out the window, which was just not fair to... To David Blatt. Yep. So if he joins a win now team like New York, like we talked about just before, mm-hmm. he would have to come in with the understanding that I don't have time to acclimate myself. Yeah. And I, I think for now pivoting back to Orlando, I think it's so crucial for them to go out and find a coach who's ready to take on this idea that it's a project. Mm-hmm. And look, if Blad was willing to do that in Cleveland, yeah, he might be willing to do it here. That's true. Uh, and and it might also be attractive for Blad to be in a market that doesn't have the same media focus as a team yeah. with LeBron James on it. <laughs> right, right. So and yeah, that's not going to get a marquee free agent this summer. Like he will just exactly. kind of go under the radar. It's a good point, yeah. right? It's a very good point. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he'd be. He, it seems like he wants to get back into the NBA at some point. Like he's mm. not scared off from his first. Uh, oh no, first he, and he shouldn't be. Like he's look, he was good. I think for mm-hmm. for the fact that he was what, given what he was expecting to come into and what he ended up with, mm-hmm. I think he adjusted beautifully. Yeah, like David Blatt is really underrated, and it mostly it's because oh he coached Euroleague teams, you know. Mm-hmm. Is still frowned upon a little bit by American fans. Like, who is right. this guy coming over from Europe? Like, I, I was surprised to learn a lot of Americans didn't even know that he was an American himself. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay, so let's move now to our final new coach opening. Uh, Steve Clifford was fired Friday morning. Woj reported that. So they hired Mitch Kupchak as their president and general manager this past week. Oh, sorry. I just had an allergic reaction there, Brian. (laughs) And Woj reported that Michael Jordan, the Hornets owner, has, quote, afforded him the autonomy to reshape the franchise's basketball operations. Oh, oh, again. I'm sorry, Brian. Oh, (laughs) that's, yeah, phlegm. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I guess, first, what do you think of the decision to fire Clifford? So I'm kind of split on that decision specifically. Okay. Because here's the thing. Steve Clifford did not deserve to be like a lame duck coach. Yep. And if, if Kupchak and his team comes in and just, you know, cleans house, mm-hmm. obviously Clifford would be a casualty of that. Yep. And, and instead of waiting a year, like to gauge the situation just for the hell of it, I kind of appreciate the fact that he was shown the door immediately, okay. so he did not have to 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 waste his time. Yep. Having said that, I still don't like the fact that you fire a high quality NBA head coach. Yeah. Because it just shows uh, a certain lack of imagination, I would say. Because yeah. if you have an awesome NBA head coach, you should be able to, you know talk to him find out how he's thinking learn his mind and then kind of tailor a roster around that Mm -hmm. especially when you're rebuilding um but but maybe they had a conversation in which 
Clifford also, you know, stated he he wanted to win. I mean, mm-hmm. he's if if I'm not mistaken, he's not exactly young, and that's not trying to to age right. him at any in any way. But right. he's fifty six, so he, and he, he's and he had those health issues earlier in the year. We had to step away for a few games. Exactly. So he might also be inclined to go to a team where he can get some playoff exposure and and tastes at least some level of success. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe he takes a year off for health reasons, which yeah. I wouldn't blame him. I mean, that's that's totally fair. So, again, I'm split on it. I, I like the fact that he doesn't have to waste time, but it's, yeah. it's really only because of his perspective. Like, I'm glad for him. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this to me, again, feels more like an Orlando situation where the front office just dealt him such a shitty hand that like, Mm -hmm. I think Steve Clifford's a good coach. I think Frank Vogel is a good coach. I think they each had rosters where they were dealing with, uh, I mean, Orlando more so than Charlotte. Like this Charlotte team, we both, I believe picked them as a playoff team heading into the year. Like they had the talent to be a playoff team. Their issue is more, long term like they're just in such salary cap hell now because they you know signed nick batum to a monster deal marvin williams to a you know at least 10 million plus per year so there's just no like obvious avenue of improvement for them so you're right more like i feel i'm happy for clifford that he gets to escape that but i don't necessarily think I don't know. This this season was weird for the Hornets. Like I, I think it's fair to hold him accountable for that. You know, do I think they're gonna get better, a better coach on the open market? I, I don't know. It's interesting. It'll all come down to who they hire. But again, like I, it it start, it goes back to ownership first of all. Like yeah. what what do you want? Like, what do you, do you want to eventually compete for a championship? Or, like, MJ, are you cool with 40, 45 win seasons? Are you cool with a low, you know, a six, seven, eight seed every year? Do you just want to put butts in seats? And then, once you figure that out, then hire a coach that can get you there. Either get a player development guy if you are willing to embark on a long term rebuild, but nothing about the Hornets to me suggest they're willing to go that route like i i have a feeling you know we we discussed them more in depth in the by felicia a few weeks ago i don't think they're gonna trade kemba walker even though i think they absolutely should because he's he gone he's leaving the second he can after you know he's under contract for one more year but he's gone after that oh yeah you would have to assume so yeah yeah so like you're you're looking at a long-term rebuild either way if you're charlotte like whether it starts this year or next, it's gonna happen. So mm-hmm. if you want to delay the inevitable for a year, I guess that's cool. Like go right ahead. But you know, if you're if you're hiring a win now coach, and then you realize a year from now that you just lost Kemba Walker, and you're probably well, I think Jeremy Lamb can also leave after next year. Like you might lose two of your best three players Dwight Howard is also off the books Mm. after next year so like come 2019-2020 you might be looking at a team with Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, MKG 
Cody Zeller, and you have close to $80 million already guaranteed. So you're not going to have an enormous amount of cap space to improve. Do you want me to make the situation worse for Charlotte <laughs> right now? Is it possible? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Cupjack uh, was in L.A. for I don't know how many years. Uh-huh. A ridiculous amount of years. Mm-hmm. And the L.A. way of doing things was always uh, winning. Uh, I mean, that's that's they have always been a win-now team because unlike any other owner, like their primary, primary interest is the Lakers. They don't have like anything outside of it. The Lakers is their business, the bus family. And so so they the, the family there just had so much invested in in having stars because mm-hmm. stars would, you know, invite fans. Mm-hmm. And that was just the the roundabout way. So the draft was never considered, you know, a major Ooh. tool. Yeah. And a few reports came out the Cupjack was just not that adequate at you know the draft specific areas like he was more inclined to to speak with stars and go on in in regards to that mentality like let's find a a star let's find a a second star let's find these guys who can bring all the the hype up and maybe they'll lead us to the promised land yada 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 Mm -hmm. going from that to a small market team that has to build through the draft because free agents free agency uh free agents sorry are not going to look at that team and go oh i want to sign there i want to go to there no no that's that's not going to happen it will have to be through the draft and then you place a guy like cupjack who at that age is not really you know inclined to improve drastically Mm -hmm. as a draft observer or at least like change his his way yeah right 63 yeah, he's okay. Sixty-three. We also knew that at, in L.A., he was not analytically inclined to boot. Mm-hmm. So you have a guy who is, I think, anti-analytics is a big word, but we know that he's not fond of them. Mm-hmm. So, screw it. I'm gonna say it. He's so you have a guy who's anti-analytical, who does not have a strong track record when it comes to drafting, and is mm-hmm. not like a keen scout himself. In a small market where those are the ways that you improve. Yeah. Dear Charlotte fans, <laughs> you are in for a long, long era of extended alcohol consumption. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so to Cupjack's credit, he you mentioned he's, he was with the Lakers forever. But yeah, I mean, almost 17 years. He, he joined them in August 2000, mm. was with them until uh, mid-February 2017. Under that or during that time, they won four titles. Granted, he inherited the Kobe Shaq era, and then you know pivoted around. Shaq left. He he did the Pau Gasol trade in two thousand eight. They won two more titles, made the finals. So he has a track record of success. And you know you're right. They the Lakers most certainly did not um, value the draft. I guess you want to say. Uh, yeah. During the Kobe era, just because they, you know, they were mostly picking middle, late first round anyway. Like their one big hit in that time was Andrew Bynum. Gonna pour one out right now, just for saying that they got mm-hmm. him in two thousand five. 
but otherwise that you know they had Kobe they didn't necessarily need to focus on it right right as much as most small market teams do in to his credit uh in recent years I mean start in two, 2014 he got Julius Randle seventh 2015 D'Angelo Russell second you know it didn't work out all that well but the other main prospect being mentioned in that territory was Julio Okafor. So you were kind of screwed either way. But he got yeah. Larry Nance 27th that year. Took Brandon Ingram um, second, second following year. Yeah. And then Zubac, I know he hasn't had much of a chance to show what he can do, but he has some potential too. So with those high picks, he, you know, he didn't totally flop. So no, but he took some obvious names. Right. So, you know, Charlotte, until Kemba leaves, is more likely to be in the, you know, the late lottery range. Right. Like, they're 11th this year. So you're you know, 11th in a year where the talent is projected to drop pretty considerably after, like, the first eight or nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you go if the Knicks don't take Colin Sexton, maybe you take him there to give yourself an insurance policy if and when Kemba leaves, and then yeah. you can start retooling. But I think you're right. Where like This is going to be a very difficult time for Charlotte. So it all, this all goes back to the coaching discussion. Like I, like, I don't think you want to bring in a Mark Jackson there or even a David Fisdale there. Like I, I think this is another spot where you bring in an assistant coach who is willing to rack up some L's for the first few years. Maybe, yeah. you know, you want to go down to that Spurs developmental branch and you want to go for Ettore Messina or Ime Udoka. Like, mm-hmm. that, you're going to have to establish a culture in Charlotte before you really start to turn this thing around because it's only about to get worse before it gets better. And you need something else. You need someone who's not a yes man to Michael Jordan. Yeah. You need a head coach yep. who is strong enough to stand up to Mike and say, no, yep. no, that's just not, no. Totally and agree. who that is, I don't know. By the way, a, a short, uh, a small thing. Um, Kupchak uh, got his, his GM powers, so to speak, in 2000, but he was apparently with the organization since 1986. Oh, boy. Yeah, I did. I felt like I've read something where like it was longer. When you said two thousand, I was just like, did something happened with him in two thousand. Yeah, but yeah, he's been. I felt like he had been there longer, and yeah, yeah sure enough, from the year I was born. So, um, the the thing with Kupchak though is he's gonna dictate these things. So you and I can sit here and talk about what would be fitting for a coach. Uh huh. He's gonna make the call. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's gonna be. Ugh. Charlotte fans, I think you are allowed a one-time amnesty. Like, Knicks fans, you have a permanent amnesty. If you want to leave, you can just join whichever team you want, and you're not bandwagon fans. You're just, you've suffered enough. Charlotte (laughs) fans, you're you're entering an amnesty period where if you need a new team, I think it's allowed because it's it's about to get dark for you guys. But I hope, you're right, Ward, I, I think you need to get a guy in there who just doesn't bow down to the great Michael Jordan. And I don't know if you're going to be able to find that because, you know, Michael Jordan could then just fire you. So yep. it's going to be, 
it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm sure we will be talking more about coaching hires and fires as the playoffs go on. I do not think this is the last that we've seen because we've still got Stan Van Gundy. Uh, at least mm-hmm. we don't know if he's going to get fired as coach or president or both, but I would assume he's going to lose one of those titles. So stick with us throughout the playoffs. We will have a bunch of this coverage. We're not only going to talk about the playoff teams, but we're going to talk a lot about them because that's the big story for the next two months. Uh, until then, enjoy the playoffs. Follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. Please do not flood my mentions when the Sixers lose game one tonight. I'm already going to be in a very salty mood. So lay off. Sweep. Sweep. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. We're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So check them out at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Zaporek. I was joined by Morton Jensen. Go Sixers. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. And in regards to people giving us five-star reviews and leaving us any feedback, as long as it's positive, positive <laughs> right. feedback, we can use that. Yeah, yeah we, We've gotten a little bit of negative responses on a few things. So it made Brian cry. We can't have that, that's especially true. if you're sleep-deprived at the same time. It doesn't <laughs> work, man. Yeah. 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 You can... You can say anything in there. Just don't bring up Joel Embiid's foot or back histories or knees, I guess. None of that. Cue flooding of mentions of Joel Embiid. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Enjoy the playoffs, everyone. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clear. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.